What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sports. Jamo K. Davis here with you. We got some NBA talk. As every single game, every single night, it gets more and more exciting in the NBA as we count down to who will make the playoffs and who will not. I did my fantasy baseball draft. I will talk about my teams there. The lack of interest in the final four. We'll get into that. And the Washington Commanders, close, close to being sold. Close to being sold. But I'm going to start with March Madness. And as much as... We've got mid-majors taking over the Final Four in a major way. Major mids, if you will. The amazing thing about it is that it has taken away the interest in the Final Four. I predict that by the time you watch the Final Four, or excuse me, by the time we get in the championship game, you may have the lowest ratings ever for Final Four. And that's sad because I don't have a problem that there are mid-majors getting their due. We've talked for a long time that there's parity in college basketball, and we're seeing it more than ever. NIL is changing everything and every coach complaining when another team is winning that it's NIL is the reason why these teams all uh, uh, program turned it around so quickly, which will probably happen in football too. But it's funny how not having a couple of number one or number two seeds, I actually had Texas winning it all. So my bracket is pretty much done, but it's just, it's lacking It's lacking from any casual fan being interested in the game. Florida Atlantic, nobody's watching to watch them. Nobody's watching to watch UConn, right? It's... It makes me sad. I'm happy because Miami is one of the teams. And so at least, even though it's not University of Pittsburgh, ACC, still standing tall. How many times do we talk about, oh, the ACC is down this year? Oh, you got to be in the SEC or the Big Ten. Those are the big teams. Who do we have? In the final four. We've got Florida Atlantic against San Diego State. A nine against a five. And then Miami, a five against a four. Now I'm rooting for Miami not just because of the ACC, but also because Jim Laranega coach for a long time at George Mason. I love seeing that run almost 20 years ago. 
So I always liked him. I always feel like I was rooting for him. And so I'm excited for that. Miami kind of ruined pitch chances, or not kind of, did ruin pitch chances of winning the ACC. One of the teams that did tore it down the stretch of the regular season. But here we are. If I get to pick another bracket after my Sweet 16 got bracket busted too, I'm going to take Miami to win it all. I'm going to take Miami to win it all, but I'm scared of UConn. I am. The Hurleys have been amazing in basketball, and Danny Hurley's got his UConn team, and they're tough. They're going to be tough. But the other thing is, I find myself more and more wondering, uh, who is this Caitlin Clark? Who is this player? And we're going to have some great games on Friday night. Iowa, South Carolina. I'm curious. Did I say Caitlin? I think I said Caitlin Clark. I'm curious to see if Caitlin Clark can beat South Carolina and, well, Caitlin Clark and Iowa Hawkeyes, excuse me, can beat South Carolina, who destroyed Maryland. I was watching that game. I was like, oh, this game's over pretty early in my mind. But, you know, I just wanted Maryland to to show up. And they played, but they just weren't at the level of South Carolina. And then on the other side, we got LSU and Virginia Tech. So once again, What do we have? Now, granted, in this case, you do have a Big Ten and you have an SEC, right? South Carolina's in the SEC. LSU's in the SEC. But you still have one ACC team, too, in Virginia Tech. So I'm rooting for the Hokies. They were one of the number one seeds. I expect South Carolina will has the better chance to win it all. But uh, I'm going to be rooting for Virginia Tech. Miami and Virginia Tech. Who knew? Who knew that I'd be rooting for that? But I imagine in the end, the ratings will be higher for the women's Final Four than it will be for the men's Final Four. That's my, I don't know if it's really a bold prediction. I'm going to say it's kind of a bold prediction. It's higher seeds. It's higher seeds. So that's going to be interesting to uh, watch and see what happens. See if I'm right. National Football League. We've got two stories here that um, I have been really focused on. Um, I want to know, I'm watching, as everybody is, what's going on with Lamar Jackson. He came out and said he requested a trade on March 2nd. I'm curious what suitors will be out there. He's chirping more and more on social media. And I want the Washington football team to get him. I want Lamar Jackson to take command of Washington. I think he can turn the franchise around much faster than Sam Howell can. Much faster than Sam Howell can. And that's what I want to see. I don't know if we would necessarily get that opportunity per se, but I feel like we could have the inside track because of the close proximity to Baltimore. You're not asking them to move anywhere. It'll bolster the rivalry for sure. 
And I think he'd be like, yeah, I'm not, I don't really have to. I mean, I don't know where he lives. I said that before, like a couple pods ago. But it's time for Baltimore to just let him go. And you may not get everything you want for him. But I also think that these other teams are partially playing chicken, but also recognizing for better or for worse, because Lamar Jackson, I guess at some point we may hear him say, hey, I sat out on purpose. I didn't want to play because I didn't want a chance of injuring myself. And I wanted to have this long-term contract locked in. Guaranteed money. So maybe in reality, in the back of his mind, he did say, you know what? I'm just going to sit out. I'm not even going to play. And it wasn't so much of an injury. But I think it's time for Baltimore to cut their losses. Maybe you only get a first-round pick. But I think for for other teams to think, shoot, I got to give up maybe two first-round picks and something else, some players or a third or a fourth, and I got to maybe pay this guy guaranteed money, I could see why they're like, I don't know. I really can't. But I want to see him do well. I'm really happy that Lamar is... uh, I'm happy that he's standing firm. I'm sad that Baltimore didn't just give him what he wants, Be if nothing else, based on what he did. I mean, my man's what, 26? All right, just because the last two seasons he got injured towards the end, but now he's saying he wasn't really injured. He just really realistically maybe didn't want to play and risk getting a, a, a real injury. Maybe that's the case. But I'm going to continue to root for Washington to try to get him. And the funny thing is the correlation between Baltimore and what's happening with Lamar Jackson and then the commanders are potentially close to maybe being sold to a to a, a group that includes Magic Johnson. That may happen. I think there are two bids out there for Washington at like $6 billion. That's a good deal. More than he paid when he bought it. Right? But the funny thing is, you know, if you look at Washington, they had a chance to get Lamar Jackson. If I am Daniel Snyder, I almost pushed for that trade, if nothing else, to increase the value of the team. Can it increase it by $500 million? Can it increase it by $1 billion? All of a sudden... Maybe more. Maybe he's getting $7.5 billion. Probably not. But Lamar Jackson's a much better quarterback where if you're a potential owner, you're like, hmm, we may not win for a while with Sam Howell, but if you get Lamar Jackson, then people are hyped to buy Washington. That's what I think in my mind. I could be wrong, but that's what I think in my mind. But I also add to that the other juxtaposition, how when the Washington Nationals put their baseball team up for sale, they did not keep Juan Soto. And maybe that hindered their ability to sell. That team's like, the team's not really good. You've been giving away players. That's a possibility. That's a strong possibility.
Now, do I? Here's my thing. You may not agree with me, but I actually feel for Daniel Snyder, right? Whoever, whatever, whoever you root for, your favorite football team, or it can be basketball or hockey, whatever the case may be. If you grew up loving that team and then you got to buy that team and be the owner, just put yourself in Daniel Snyder's shoes. You want it to be the savior. You want it to be around the athletes, some of them that you grew up watching. You know, the fact that he could rub elbows with Doug Williams and Joe Theismann and some of the Hogs and Gary Clark, Art Monk, uh, Santana Moss, right? Shoot, Donovan McNabb for a little bit, whoever he wanted to. Shoot, I can't believe we could say Deion Sanders, Bruce Smith, Warnos. I mean, there's so many players on those on the Washington football team. But you got to feel for him. If you could imagine what it was like if you own your favorite team and this this is where you lived and grew up and you actually made enough money to buy them, you you couldn't sell them. I don't even fault Daniel Snyder if he says tomorrow, you know what, I don't want to sell. The problem is all of the other stuff is why he has to sell. But the team doing poorly... And he wanting so badly to build a winner. I get it. I get it. I do really get it. I'm sad. But I get it. We'll see what happens over the next couple days, weeks, two weeks, however long it takes to get a team, get them sold. But... A lot of people will rejoice. He deserves to have to sell based on a lot of things that I'm sure he's tried to deflect on others to say he had nothing to do with, but maybe he did. A lot of people had to fall on their sword for him, and now it's time for him to pay the piper. And now he's got to sell. And I know that's really sad. I can't imagine that he's happy about that. I can't imagine he is, and I feel for him. I do. I'm excited about my fantasy baseball team. Outside the fact that I'm really mad at Yahoo for making me having to use two keeper spots for Shohei Otani as a batter and a pitcher. I'm curious how my team will do. You want to know what my roster is? I always got to get some Orioles and a Nat. So I did get that. But the core of my lineup is Mike Trout, Julio Rodriguez, Randy Arozarena, Shohei Otani, and Nolan Arenado. My pitchers, I will admit that they're suspect. I have Jose Urquidy, who isn't suspect, right? Shohei Otani, Zach Galen. I got two quality relief pitchers in Devin Williams, the closer for Milwaukee. And Felix Bautista from the Orioles. Not bad, right? But I'm gambling in getting Herman Marquez from Colorado as a pitcher. I've got Bailey Falter for a pitcher. My hope is, you know, maybe we'll get some diamonds in the rough. He is playing for Philly. I expect Philly to be one of the favorites to be winning, you know, to win 100 games this year. So I'm excited about it. I love fantasy baseball. I love the draft. 
I thought it went well. I'm excited for the actual baseball season as well. I feel like just as much as I'm going to talk about a little bit about the parity in the NBA, I kind of feel like there's a little bit of parity in, in Major League Baseball. And for all leagues, I, you like parity. Parity's good. That means your team has a chance to win. I was trying to think who I would say is a favorite to win the World Series. Right now, if you ask me, my favorite is, I think the Astros can repeat. They have a really, really solid team. Every year, I feel like I pick the Blue Jays or the Rays as a sleeper. Guardians as a deep sleeper, but watch out for the Padres. I know what they were expected to do last year, and they didn't do it. And I think they're going to be, you know, trying to really show that, um, you know, now that they have Juan Soto for a whole season, watch out. Watch out for the Padres. Watch out for the Padres. I'm excited. As the baseball season is about to kick off, opening day is right around the corner. The NBA play-in tournament is coming up as we look at the playoffs. And when I look at the playoff picture, as it stands as I was recording this, we got Lakers against Oklahoma City, Minnesota against New Orleans, in the Western Conference for the play-in tournament. Then we got Toronto and the Bulls and the Heat and the Hawks. That's the play-in tournament. Something will shift. Maybe not much, but something will shift. If I had to make predictions, if I'm the Lakers, I'd be scared of the young upstart Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, the fact that the Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Lakers, the night LeBron broke the record, that's an embarrassment to the Lakers. But, you know, I'm sure if you're Oklahoma City, I think it was Oklahoma City. Did I, did I forget that? I also think on the flip side that, like, man, Oklahoma City's really good. Last night, without SGA, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, they had three players score over 30 points in a game. They are playing well. They are rolling. Other play in tournament, Minnesota, New Orleans. I wish Zion was playing. That's my thing. Remember when they were number one in the Western Conference? I was like, that, that was my sleeper pick. And now they're kind of done. Even last night, watching them against Golden State, they had a 20-point lead. And I was like, I don't know. Something in my mind at halftime, I was like, oh, Golden State's going to come back and win this. And they did. And they did. I would say watch out for... Minnesota, too. They've got two twin towers in the Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert and Cat, that offensively, you've got, you know, great players. And then Ant. Ant is a dominant scorer. On the other side, playing tournament, we got Raptors, Bulls. Patrick Beverly has changed the culture of the Bulls. And they're they're playing well right now. Toronto, who the last two season, I two seasons, I think has been a disappointment. 
We'll see what they can do if Nick can nurse them into the playoffs and get back to their winning ways. Hawks and Heat, eh. Ice Trey, it's kind of cold on him. It's all right. He's all right. But when you look at the standing, there's going to be some more shifting. I don't know if Boston can catch Milwaukee. Cleveland could potentially catch Philly. They're only two games behind them. Washington is uh, two and a half games behind Chicago. I don't see that happening. I think maybe you might see some shifting between Brooklyn if they can hold on to that sixth seed, but Miami's right behind them a half a game. So that's going to be interesting down the stretch. Got some key games coming up. And then in the West, Phoenix at four, right? Kevin Durant comes back tonight. That is big for Phoenix. They're hosting Minnesota. Minnesota could, I mean, I think that's a lock of a win for Phoenix if there ever was one. He's going to, man, if Kevin Durant stays healthy, Phoenix is my favorite to win it all. But Minnesota, I don't know. I think they're going to drop. I think they're going to lose a game and potentially be tied with New Orleans. Lakers are only a, a half a game behind New Orleans. Minnesota has a game up on New Orleans. Oklahoma City is a half a game behind the Lakers. It's jumbled up. Phoenix is only one and a half game up on Minnesota. It's gonna be oh, it's gonna be fun down the stretch, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm look and I say I'm looking forward to the playoffs, but I'm more like every night I'm like, ooh, I watched it. Last night I was up till 1 a.m. I watched the whole Golden State. Um, gosh, I almost forgot who they played already. Uh, Golden State, New Orleans game got a little chippy, but I was watching. I love it when every night something can change and that's what's happening right now. And I'm sure in terms of parody, that's exactly what the NBA wanted. Exactly what the NBA wanted. Now, one thing that I was thinking about, that I just want to chime in on, that they were talking about how Joel Embiid ducked Nikola Jokic. Final game between Denver and Philly in Denver. And Joel Embiid is trying to lock in his chance of winning MVP. And I just don't think he can do it. He didn't play enough games. Now, for anybody who was like, oh, Joel is trying to duck Jokic, Jokic didn't play against Giannis. But then when you find out that in the six matchups, I heard somewhere on the radio that in the six games, only two of those games between Jokic and Joel Embiid, did Joel Embiid play? I got to look that up for myself. But if that's true, oh, that's not a good look. When I think of Nikola Jokic, it's like when Michael Jordan played. You knew good and well every year he's an MVP. I'm sorry. He's just the best player. And now he's the best in the West. 
He is the best. Hands down. You have to just simply accept that. That's where we are. I guess if you were to say, okay, yeah, he can win. Joel can win an MVP. To me, it was like, what, when they gave it to like Karl Malone or Hakeem Olajuwon during the Jordan? Like, no, it was Jordan every year. And I think Jokic, a three-time MVP. If I had a vote, he'd get my vote. I'm sorry, Joel Embiid. I love what you're doing in Philly, but it's just you're in the wrong era. That's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. I am curious to see how they will actually vote. Um, as I think about the player, the playoffs in Nikola Jokic, I want to see if he won't implode. Remember the last two years, he got kicked out of the eliminating game, right? So he got really frustrated when they lost and was vicious. Like, whoa. So let's see if he can keep his cool and lead his team to the NBA Finals and maybe a championship. But he is, in my mind, the NBA MVP. He is. Enjoy your Final Four, women and men's. We'll see what happens with the Commanders. I have another pod before opening day. And, uh, yeah, NBA is fantastic. That'll do it for Just for Sport. I'm Jamoke. Ciao for now.